Welcome to Sports, Clicks, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husong and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 147 of Sports Clicks and Politics. I'll fix the echo when I can here, but uh, we have a new studio that I have not figured out yet, but here we are. Let me, uh, Mr. Hughesong has joined us. I don't know if anybody else can hear the echo out the outside. I know we can. I'll fix it. All right. That was cool. I feel like I need to speak very dramatically as long as this echo is happening. I'm not sure why it's actually happening. Is that microphone on? No. Okay. This is a great start. We're killing it. How was your weekend? Okay, good news. Apparently there's no echo for anybody else. It's just for us. good. So this will be fun. I'm guessing it'll go away if I restarted the whole thing, but I'm not going to do that. We're not doing that. No. We'll just get through it. All right. My weekend was great. How was your last eight weekends? I'm sure they were all wonderful. Every one of them. Just no complaints. No craziness. Just relaxed. Sunbathed. Sunbathed? Sure. No. No. <laughs> that didn't happen. No, that doesn't happen anyway. No, it's been good. Everything's crazy and fun. I mean, we missed a lot for the last, uh, I think the last episode we did was September 25th. Okay. That checks out. NFL week three, I saw in our notes. Now we're in, well, I thought we were in week 12, but apparently we're in week 13. We are. And that, you know, the last show, the bills were still good. That was fun. Both your team and mine are now under different offensive leadership. I mean, the Steelers are still in the playoffs. If there's season... Not today, I don't think. Contention, I'm sorry. Still yeah, in contention. The Steelers somehow are in the playoffs. It's ridiculous. Kenny Pickett is the new Josh Allen. No. N- nothing on that? No. How about you? How you been? Well, I've had some eventful things happen here. We got yeah. a new studio equipment because DraftKings. DraftKings was good to me. Every now and then? Every now and then they hit. And then I get to upgrade stuff. So here we are with the new uh, people at home can't see the new monitors and whatever, but um, it should help us perform other than this crazy echo that we got going on right now. I need all the performance help I can get. At least we're on the air. That's plus. I I get a lot of uh, taunting and uh, teasing for where was the show for the last few weeks. So maybe you got some of that yourself. I've caught I've caught some crap about that. I just blamed you. As you should have. It was totally my fault. My computer pretty much crapped the bed. So DraftKings got me a new computer. hey And a couple new monitors and, uh, you know, some other things. But DraftKings should new probably camera. sponsor the show. Yeah. Uh, unofficially sponsor show. I mean, they actually sponsor the show, but they don't officially. There's no intent. Right. I got you. I mean, they don't know who I exam. But, but it was fun. Good. Way to go, Tyler Conklin. Sure. That was that was the guy who got me all the winnings. Jets Raiders. You're amazing. Yeah. What else what else has been going on? Do you want to go right into the NFL or uh 
Do you have something else you'd like to uh, touch base with the folks before we kind of do that? We'll go NFL. Okay. And then we'll touch on some things, some news things that we uh, missed over the last, whatever, two months. Has anything happened in the last two months? Nothing really. Okay. Good. Thank goodness. I'd hate to have I mean, not talked about the start of World War III or the downfall of the American law enforcement agencies. You know, whatever. Epstein's client list still hasn't materialized. That is just shocking. How many more months do you think we're going to have to take off for that thing to show up? Um, 1,432. Probably close. I don't even know what to say about that anymore. But That'll be after the sunspots go off, the sun goes supernova, and then we won't care anymore. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into all that. All right, let's talk a little NFL. We did touch on it a little bit, but anything from this weekend, uh, specifically uh, Chiefs-Packers last night? It was a little exciting game. I actually didn't watch it. I mean, I had Jordan Love on my fantasy team, so that worked out for me. Smart. Yeah. Very Sometimes smart. you got to pick the uh, not-so-obvious play because that's how you win all the money. That's a Great strategy. I had Watson, too, so it worked out pretty good. Oh, he good. did real well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, the NFL was typical, I suppose. The Patriots are really bad. Yeah. Well, I what do they got? Zappy and Mac Jones as your quarterbacks? I mean, yes. But, you know, as great as Bill Belichick is as a coach, the number one thing holding him his back is his general manager. His general manager is absolutely killing him because the general manager cannot find talent Anywhere in a draft. The last the last offensive skill position player that they drafted that went to a Pro Bowl. One. One Pro Bowl. Was Rob Gronkowski. He's solid. It was a great draft pick in 2002. But that was 20. Bill Belichick without also firing the coach, Bill Belichick. Yeah, he's probably past his prime. He's 102. Of course he's past his prime. But he's still a great coach. He just cannot evaluate talent to save his life. And the game has kind of passed him by. Because he's still trying to run the ball with Ramondre Stevenson. And you're you're not going to win many games. I mean, Ramondre got me 100 yards last week. I'm not saying he's bad. Oh. He's fantastic. But he's it's still fantastic. the reality. He's not fantastic. but I think he's quite good. The fact that he can run for 100 yards with Zappy and Mac Jones under center. Come on. Fair. And outside of Juju Smith-Schuster, can you name one wide receiver on the Patriots? I mean, I can. That's right. You're a fantasy I play football fantasy, dork. You know, Demario Douglas. Who? Demario Douglas. Yeah. I think that's my barber. Uh, no. Okay, my bad. I mean, it'd be solid if he was your barber. We get him in as a guest. So uh, let's wrap up the NFL with, uh, I don't think it's the Chiefs. Is it the Dolphins? Like, who's the team in the AFC? Ravens? The Bills. I mean, it's not the Bills. <laughs> it's not the Bills. That's for sure. I can't help myself. So I'm not. I mean, Tyreek Hill is unstoppable. Yes, for now, but it's still warm. I mean, you know, until he gets in jail again. Sure. Not really jail, I don't think he made, but... I think this might be the longest he's ever gone without punching a girlfriend. Good for him. Well, he's passed that on to other people. Yeah. There's some other people going on. I, I mean, as a Bills fan, I probably shouldn't make that no, joke. No, you shouldn't. Yeah. Oh, well. I stand by it. And Von Miller, it doesn't mean he's innocent, but Tyreek Hill, we know, also did it. Um, yeah. 
I don't know who the team in the AFC is. I guess it's still the Chiefs. You got to knock out the champ before anybody else can be crowned. The Dolphins start out like this every season and then just fall apart as it gets late because it turns out Tua Tagovailoa only weighs 109 pounds, and you know it's about two more weeks till he's throwing up gang signs again. Um, the Ravens, I I think, are legitimate, but losing Mark Andrews is a huge blow. Um, you don't like Isaiah Likely as the uh fill in i mean he's basically mark andrews like same th- same I mean, he's guy. good he's not bad no he's but he's not mark andrews no. and their the running game is holding pretty well so i i'll give him something and then who else is in the afc the chargers have fallen apart the raiders got josh mcdaniels fired uh who else going on i listen I, all kidding aside the browns are out of it because they lost their quarterback the Bengals, the Bengals are out of it. All right. The Patriots were never in it. The Jets were out of it as soon as that Achilles tendon snapped on Aaron Rodgers. It's at some point, I am acknowledging the Bills still have a legitimate shot at the playoffs because everybody else is somehow falling apart around them. Oh, listen, if the Steelers make the playoffs and the Bills don't, I mean, it's possible. Oh, I know. But the Bills have... It's ridiculous that it's possible. Yeah, the Steelers Bills are, are subject to some of the worst coaching in-game decisions I've ever seen. Like, I think it's three or four times this year that the offense has come down, scored to take the lead with under two minutes to go, and I think they're one and three in those games. All right, let's play a game here. Hit me. Oh, the Jaguars are good. Yeah, well, let's let's play a game. We're going we're gonna to assume Dolphins, Ravens, Jaguars, Chiefs are in. As division winners. As playoff. Okay. Probably division winners, but playoff participants regardless. Sure. The next group of teams currently in the playoffs. Steelers. These are all seven and five teams. Yep. Steelers, Colts, Browns. Colts are the best team of that, even with Garden Minshew. Jonathan Taylor's going to miss a bunch of weeks now. Yeah, they got Zach Moss, your boy. I love Zach Moss, but he's not Jonathan Taylor. No. They don't I, need him. Call me not a believer. Colts are my pick of these three teams. Who's your pick of these three teams? Steelers. You think the Steelers? I think the Steelers are a much better team than the Colts, and I think the Steelers benefit unbelievably because of the injuries to Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson. Those are division games where you're now playing Joe Flacco, and I don't remember the other dude's name. Which one, DTR? The Bengals quarterback. Oh, I don't know. I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I forgot who he was. It's the same way the Bills are going to benefit by they got to play the Jets a second time, and it, it you only get so many shots at Zach Wilson before you're going to beat him. Yeah. So I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, whereas the Colts, they have the Texans and they have the Jaguars in their division. It's Those are better teams today than the Bengals and the Browns. Yeah, I don't think the Steelers make the playoffs. I think they're... I, I don't think, I think they, it's a... It might be Tomlin's best coaching this year, the fact that they have seven wins. Who else they're is terrible. on the bubble? Let me. Let so me here's the bubble teams. Without looking at schedules. Yeah, so the next three teams, seven and five, Houston Texans, six and six, both the Broncos and the Bills. Yep. I mean, the Chargers are five and seven, which is kind of mind-boggling to me. I mean, they should be good. Their talent is good. But I don't know what's going you, on. You can't lose Joe Burrow. He's, he was he was hurt for the first. This three Bengals. Games. We're talking about the Chargers. 
I thought you said the Bengals. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, the Bengals. I think you're right. Are out, but the Chargers are the surprising five and seven team here. They should. They seem like a playoff team. They should be. Their roster looks like a playoff team. Their coach is not a playoff no. coach. No. So I don't think anybody other than the Chargers at five and seven or below can get in. Obviously, whatever. I'm not sure the Chargers can get in either. But I don't. I agree with you. The Bengals are done. If he, in a couple of weeks, if we're sitting here and the three wild card teams are the Texans, the Bills, and the Broncos, how shocked would you really be if they just took oh, that? No, they're. All, I mean, Texans are the same record as the other three, and the Broncos and the Bills are one game out, and the Steelers are terrible. Right. And the Browns have Joe Flacco. So and Gordon and, and Gordon Minshew. Like it, these are the. We got Kenny Pickett, Gordon Minshew, and Joe Flacco against Josh in the playoffs. <laughs> CJ Stroud, Josh Allen, Stroud is Russell solid. Wilson. Right, Stroud is a great. I think he's going to be a pretty good quarterback. But then you got Stroud, Russell Wilson, and Josh Allen. I would take all three of those quarterbacks over the three quarterbacks that are currently in the playoff race. I agree with that. And that's where I'm I'm very up in the air, and I am I'm, I'm disillusioned with the Bills, and I'm, Sean McDermott's driving me crazy. I think Josh Allen is taking way more blame than he deserves for this. And I'm glad they fired Ken Dorsey. You'll notice that Ken Dorsey got fired as the offensive coordinator of the number one offense in the NFL for two straight seasons and got zero phone calls about a job offer. It's not an accident. Maybe the Qs will call. Oh, God. They're looking for an OC out here. They're going to look for an OC. You're right. Sounds like they got a DC all set up, yeah, that guy from yeah. Texas a We're not going to go into that. We've already talked too much NFL, actually. Sorry. And it's an interesting conversation. Yeah, but no, it, it is. And wrapping up the NFC, I mean, is it still just the Eagles, Niners, and anybody else? I'll throw the Lions in. I'm I'm a bigger believer in the Lions than the Cowboys. They, they would have to get a home game to win to beat either one of these two teams. Oh, I agree. I think it's it's a clear top tier and then next. Yeah. I would the top tier is Eagles, Niners. Yeah, and I would put the Lions. I mean, listen, they've separated themselves. Eh, maybe the Cowboys, but the I think the Lions are the third best team. With the Cowboys, I guess. Um, but I think the Lions, to, to do anything in the playoffs, need to finish first or second and get, get a home game because I don't think they can win on the road. Fair. All right. Anything else in the NFL you'd like to cover? No. All right. Let's talk about some things that we missed over the last five weeks. One thing that I missed is I forgot how to remind people to like and subscribe to the channel, which I didn't do at the beginning of the thing because – I was hearing myself three times in my ears, as I still am. But if you would do the the show a big uh, uh, favor here and like the video, subscribe to the channel, share it with your friends and family, comment into the uh, comment section there, and let us know what you like and don't like. There you go. How handsome is uh, Mr. Hughesung? That should be the question of the day. Solid 6.5. <laughs> like, I think fresh haircut, beards trimmed. All right. Let's talk about one of our uh, fun topics that we like to discuss here, Bitcoin. Oh, boy. I bought some Bitcoin with my DraftKings winnings. That worked Shot. out. <laughs> that worked out. Up I, I can see on that. September 25th. What was the Bitcoin price on September 25th, Mr. Hughesong? Our like last 38, show. 28000 26000 Up 15000 since then. I hope you bought one whole Bitcoin. No. I didn't think so. But. When you're getting it at 26000 and it goes to forty one, it looks all right in your bank account or your crypto account, whatever it is. But this is a bunch of things. Obviously, we have inflation worries. We have some crazy stuff like uh, 
a, a libertarian being elected in Argentina, which we'll get to in the uh, future of the show here, helping the Bitcoin uh, environment. Uh, we have this, if you're familiar with halvings, uh, Bitcoin has these uh, every uh, these periodic halvings, which makes the ability to mine Bitcoin a little bit more difficult, therefore making the work a little bit more difficult and therefore create making it harder and limiting more Bitcoin being released to the to the ecosystem here. So we have a bunch of things conspiring in the favor of Bitcoin and it's uh, appearing that there. The one thing that's probably driving making a little frothy here, I feel like, is this rumor that there's going to be a B, uh, uh, Bitcoin ETF coming out, which obviously everybody's trying to get ahead of. People have been accumulating Bitcoin ahead of this ETF, I'm sure. These institutions have been because they're going to need it if things go bad. Um, but, oh, yeah, 41,593. I think it actually got to 42,000. Ticked it, maybe. Uh, fun for us here sure. at the... Uh, Sports clicks and politics, since we like to throw the Bitcoin ticker up in there above Mr. Hughesong's head. Yeah, right up there. I still kept it over there. I nailed it with that point. Yeah. Oh, you're 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 a natural. All right. No rust on me. <laughs> well. Um, what else? What else are we doing with Bitcoin? Anything? Like, I mean, not, some of these alternate altcoins are up there a little bit, but I'm all Bitcoin all the time. It's fun. So here's my concern. Yeah. The big banks, the hedge funds, the institutional players, your JP Morgans, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo's at all are starting to toe the water in this game. And they have a reputation that's pretty well earned for manipulation. And if my fear is as they buy up more and more, they're going to do the same thing with that that they currently do with precious metals, with gold and oh, silver. There will always be a level of froth that is just institutional shenanigans. Right. Like, for people that don't know this, J.P. Morgan, I think, has now four times been caught spoofing silver contracts to oh, keep yeah. the institutional price of silver low, to artificially deflate the price. They've been caught more than twice. It's either three or four times. And they get fined every time, but they make so much money on it, it doesn't matter. So I, my fear is they're going to pull the same crap with not just Bitcoin, but with uh, any of these coins, any any cryptocurrencies, and then use that as a, you're a genius. Sorry, if you guys probably couldn't tell that, but the echo just went away for us, and yeah. it's been going the It's just one time. little lever over here. <laughs> Thank God you've touched that button. Um it, but my fear is that that is the cryptocurrency market is going to be subject to some gross manipulation by these institutional investors, which is then going to turn around and be the clamoring for regulation to protect the small guys. And in reality, anytime there's more regulation, all it ever does is benefit the biggest people and the biggest players and the richest pro and whoever has the deepest pockets. Yeah, for sure. And there, again, there's going to be a level of that price. That's just frothy institutional again, shenanigans. That is just, you know, but you know, there are people who are just have their Bitcoin in cold wallets and just holding it on for until the, see what happens and, uh, you know, yep. until the solar flare, I guess, and then uh, whatever. Then we go back to I gold. Mean, to, to your point a little bit, the U.S. government, and I'm sure other governments as well, have been seizing Bitcoin from, let's say, nefarious actors, quote-unquote nefarious actors, for a decade. So they have a stockpile of Bitcoin themselves yeah. already, right? So, like, they can sell and buy and they have enough you know they 
I think they got some of the Mt. Gox stuff. They got some of the Silk Road stuff. They got a lot of this rogue Bitcoin that was seized, again, through people who eventually became uh, criminals. So they have a share of uh, Bitcoin as well to kind of, you know, hedge themselves uh, with their inflationary monetary policies as well. So there, but fun to see Bitcoin on the, on the rise. I agree. All right. Another thing that was fun. Wait. The, yeah. Go one ahead. One last note for our folks on Bitcoin. Whatever happens, do not support or clamor for regulation. I promise you will not be the one that benefits from it. No matter what happens, there will be some type of psyop done where they say the government needs to step in and regulate it. Say no, no matter what. Sorry. Yeah. All right. One more. That's a couple more things I want to touch on before we get into the, the new segments that we set aside today. Again, another thing that I was rooting uh, very happily for. What? What? Nothing. The Lizard King himself. Henry Kissinger dead at 100. I've been waiting for this for 100 years. <laughs> if there was ever a person to go back in time for, you could probably make the case for Hitler. I get it. But this would get, be in a close second if yeah. you really wanted to. What's the old joke? Like if I was in a room with Hitler, Kissinger, and Mao, and he gave me a gun with two bullets, I'd shoot Kissinger twice? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to identify the Hitlers of the world. It's less easy to identify the people, the the actual deep state, the people who work, yeah. work, who facilitate the shenanigans that we uh, alluded to a little bit already. Uh, behind the scenes, the people who, I mean, obviously he was Secretary of State, so it's not like he's a nobody, but the majority of his damage happened while he was not Secretary of State. It happened years before, years after. It has happened all the way up until his death. He is the architect of the insane foreign policy that we all participate in and get dragged around the world in and it's him for decades millions of people uh could be accounted for or attributed to his death um the worst of the worst is pretty much go ahead it looks like you have something very important to say i want to hear it it's not even something important to say I, listen I, I i'm gonna take a bit of a more nuanced view of henry kissinger i still think on the whole if you look at what he did that was good versus what he did that was bad, it's a net negative for the world, and I don't think it's terribly close. I think that it is a the the ideas that he espoused and that he persuaded presidents, heads of states, and, and other people to do, on the whole, is net negative. Now, I also understand that he's a product at a time, and he's for America, and there was a very what's the right, bifurcated view, like it's us or somebody else, so therefore we're going to win against the Soviet Union. And he did open the door to trade with China. Like, he was largely responsible for that. So it wasn't, it wasn't all bad. But it also, like, you could say the same thing about Hitler. It wasn't all bad. Like, he did bring some economic reform to Germany. He did lift some people out of poverty. However, I think if you look at the overall legacy this man leaves behind, I don't know how to conclude anything other than it's a net, uh, negative for the for all of humanity and for America specifically. I believe that Henry Kissinger, well, I can't pin any one thing on him. Well, that's not true. You could pin a few things on him. The bombings of Cambodia, that where he just was sending attack helicopters. Yeah, the whole southeast, the whole southeast Pacific was his undoing. Him. Yeah. yeah, and and like the the massacre in Indonesia, like the, uh, in Chile, where they like this guy went in and gave people the green light to do horrific, horrific things. And I love the idea that he was like this amazing public servant, even though 
what did he say about Soviet Jews? Like saving Soviet Jews from persecution is not an American interest. It might be a humanitarian one. Like, good Lord. That's it. That is that's like a, a that's a person who can uh, disconnect from uh, his site, you know, his soul. Did you read the quote about anti-Semitism? No. It's the funniest quote ever. I mean, I'm going to butcher it, so we might need to look it up, but it was something to the effect of, if not for the accident of my birth, I would be anti-Semitic. Uh, if you've been systematically oppressed for 2,000 years, you're probably doing something wrong. I was like, holy crap, who is this guy? But, like, the the legacy, in my opinion, all right, now there's, there's, outside of the individual massacres of which he was either the architect or cosigned, that I, I'm not giving him a pass for. Like, that, that's the worst things. Even taking it back to the pro-America stance, there are two things which he did for, for which I think his legacy should forever be tarnished. One is it was his idea to make the National Security Council as secretive and ambiguous as it was so that the average human being living in America has absolutely no right to understand our foreign policy. Everything is confidential. Everything is classified. Decisions are made above the head of the president, which is insanity. And it's above the head of the legislatures. And even our senators, Chuck Schumer, the highest-ranking senator in the world, country, uh, he came out and said, the intelligence communities have six ways from Sunday to get you. Like, he's afraid of them. Like, wait, you're the elected representative that's supposed to be controlling them. How in the world did we ever allow it to get to this point? Exhibit A, this is how we got to this point, because he didn't want to have to deal with the riffraff of the American public daring to second-guess his brilliant strategic chess moves around the world. So that's number one. And related to that is I believe that he and the people – with him that were supporting these policies are what really took America away from being a Republic and made us an empire. Yeah. And I think that is the gravest mistake our country ever made is once you become an empire, you're going to follow the same path. Every empire crumbles. It's only a matter of time. And now we've been in a state of consistent war for the better part of 40 years is again, a direct result of the policies this man advocated for and helped to implement costing millions of lives, costing retributions and, and like a, a loss of standing. And I go back to the Benjamin Franklin quote of a republic if you can keep it. And this is one of the primary reasons why we didn't keep it is because he got the ear of influential people and he was ultimately a sociopath. And I mean, I'm not saying that necessarily as an insult. He was. Like if you can have that level of indifference to the suffering of another human being and that you cause directly and just go, oh, well. And then when you're questioned about it 20 years later, you laugh at the reporter who asked the question. Like, he's ridiculous for asking if you ever regret burning innocent farmers in Cambodia to death. And you laugh at the question. Like, no remorse, no regret, nothing. Just not looking for peace, looking to win, and then the cost that comes with that. So I get the neocons love him. I get that the, you know the, that there was some positives that came out of him. It wasn't all negative. But I think, on the whole, if you're doing a balance... I, I don't know how you come up with anything other than this guy was a travesty. Yeah, well, he's satanic, so. And there, there is that. It. And I there was uh, there was genuinely a Twitter. I say the Twitter account. It, the name of the Twitter account was, is Henry Kissinger dead yet? And that thing had been tweeting for almost two years. And all the, the tweet on the day he died was, yes. And it was then a follow-up, like, I've been waiting for this for two years. And then the number of, um, well, Satan's going to meet him. There was... Uh, 
You want to know how like, wildly unpopular this guy actually was in the real world? Anthony Bourdain was trending on Twitter on the day he died. Anthony Bourdain was trending on Twitter because he wrote something or maybe he said it after one of his shows in Cambodia. I'm just, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a long quote, but I'm just going to read the like one or two sentences here. Once you've been to Cambodia, you'll never stop wanting to beat Henry Kissinger to death with your bare hands. You will never again be able to open a newspaper and read about that treacherous, prevaricating, murderous scumbag sitting down for a nice chat with Charlie Rose or attending some black tie affair for a new glossy magazine without choking. Witness what Henry did in Cambodia, the fruits of his genius for statesmanship, and you will never understand why he is not sitting in the dock at the Hague next to Milosevic. Yeah, fair. I like Anthony Bourdain. I can't argue that point. That, that's the idea. Is I've had this conversation with people like, well, Cambodia was allowing the North Vietnamese to use their tunnel like to go, to go through their countries and skirting around our troops. Like, So we went and shot up a bunch of farmers? Yeah. Like... It's not a proportionate response. I, I understand that you want something, but you don't just go carpet bomb the entire other country. That's not the answer. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have been there. Maybe. What just a, a, I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. And also, if you want to <clears throat> believe in conspiracy theories that look like they were probably true, it was that they were basically ready to declare peace in Vietnam and get out. And then Henry Kissinger came in and was like, what do you mean peace? Now nah, we're going to win. Bomb everything, mother... So let's go. It sounds like Ukraine, weirdly. I, you know, weird how that works out. There's always some brilliant guy in a suit who doesn't have to actually do the fighting that is ready to commit other people to war. I mean, at I least, know he served in World War II. I know, but at least, at least they I don't, at least they don't profit from it. Yeah, never, never. It's not <laughs> like his entire life and all the money and fame and esteem this guy has is based on how efficiently and indifferently he caused. Or yeah, let's go with caused. Yeah. The, well. Or easily could have stopped and chose not to the murder of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of innocent people. Yeah. Well, the intercept uh, gives him a hundred million uh, body count. So holy crap. Yeah. So I think you're, you know, I might be lowballing it. Yeah. Let's, you know, I'm guessing they don't really have that data available, so it's a spitball. But even yeah. if they're off by ten million. I mean, listen, even if they're off by a hundred times, he's responsible for the death of a million people. Yeah. That's still kind of a lot. Yeah. He's a terrible person. And if I could think of something worse than burning hell, I would. But I Fair don't. Because he'd probably enjoy it. <laughs> All right. That's another thing. We touched on this a little bit back when Tucker first brought out some of the uh, J6 tapes. But apparently 44,000 hours of uh, January 6th uh, Capitol insurrection tapes are now available. For you to peruse, I don't know if you've been there yet or not. Apparently, it's a public site. I haven't been there either. Um, I'm guessing you saw some of these things. This kind of just reaffirms what we were talking about, that uh, there was not an insurrection. There was a, call it chaotic tour going on of the Capitol building. (laughs) At the guidance of the Capitol Police who were walking these people around, uh, standing idly by while they were walking single file down the hallway of the Capitol building, being led by police and escorted by police throughout the whole thing. Uh, I could play videos of this. We could, we've, we've done it in the past. I don't think it's necessarily important to do so because the people who actually need to see those videos will never watch them. Nope. Like we, we've already seen that. We knew what kind of what this was. I don't need this, to watch these videos. No, I know, it doesn't matter. January's but January's. the people who should watch them will never see never. them. And they will be convinced forever that there was a violent insurrection attempt to overthrow the government by, you know, Grandma Betty. 
And <laughs> what? She was there. She was there. Was about, what of, of all the people to pull? Everybody Ready or the shaman? Everybody. All right. Um, Listen. complete farce. I mean, this is literally yes. the government against the people. This was a, 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 a this was organized by what I believe the, we call it the, de- the deep state, if you will, whatever you want to call it. The Democrats were clearly involved. The established Republicans were clearly involved. There was, the, people knew what was happening. There's no way that Nancy Pelosi didn't know that what was happening in the Capitol building. Yet she went out and, you know, paraded around like, and AOC was parading around like she was imminently in danger. Um, oh my gosh. She was tweeting from a different location about yeah. how she was so scared. So all this is just nonsense. Uh, anybody who still believes that there was uh, uh, even close to an insurrection is just not absorbing enough of the information or will- willfully not absorbing the information because the information is out there. Were there dozens of people who were literally violent and, act- yeah, okay, go get those people for sure. The large majority of them were not that. And the Capitol Police were aware of this because they were escorting him around the fucking building. All right, so here's where I'm going to go. Number one. If you want to get a good background on this, uh, Stephen Sund, S-U-N-D, former, he was the chief of Capitol Police on that day, and he was interviewed by Tucker Carlson on Twitter, or X, whatever we're calling it now, after Tucker Carlson left Fox News because Tucker Carlson interviewed him on Fox News, and Fox News refused to air it and wouldn't let him air it after he left. So automatically you're like, wait a minute, why, why would we not want to hear from the guy who was in charge on a day where we had this failure to control the Capitol building. So Steve Tucker Carlson does a great interview with him, and he just lets him talk about how odd that day really was and how he was asking for help and how information was being withheld from him from agencies that then came out a day later and said, well, we knew all this was happening. And he's like, why would you not have... We had an intelligence briefing and you left this out? And he's very angry. And he wrote a book. I haven't read his book, but the interview was worthwhile. All right, so that's number one. You should listen to that interview. It's like 35 minutes long. If you have any interest in the truth, check that interview out. It's free. It's on X. Go listen to it. Now, here's why I can conclude with a reasonable degree of certainty that I already know what happened on that. I Here's what I'm expected to believe, that Donald Trump ordered his people to try to overthrow the government of the United States of America on January 6, 2021, a day which will live in infamy alongside September 11th, 2001 and December 6, 1941. I'm going to throw up. Go ahead. Okay. Glad we got that out of the way. So here's the problem. Number one, that as the breach was occurring, Donald Trump was just finishing his remarks. Now you're going to say like, yeah, exactly. He said, let's go. And then people stormed. Except, like, best case scenario, if you were walking alone and not in a crowd of 10,000 people, to get from where Donald Trump was speaking to where the Capitol building actually was is about a 15 to 20-minute walk. Now imagine trying to organize a 10,000-person march over that same time frame and assuming everybody's on the same page. Okay, come on. That's number one. Number two, I am expected to believe once again that there were pipe bombs simultaneously found at the Republican National Headquarters and the Democrat National Headquarters within five minutes of each other and also within five minutes of when the breach actually occurred, causing the police to leave to go investigate these pipe bombs. Man, that's just so weird. 
this is a high level of organization and planning. And I would think, given the fact that there were literally hundreds of Fed informants throughout the crowd whoa, whoa, that whoa, day. Whoa, 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 They lost count I, I don't of how many. They so no there might have been more than 100. There might have been more. I said hundreds, okay, plural. Good, okay. Hundreds of federal informants in the crowd that day. Nobody can figure out how they managed to orchestrate this so perfectly that the pipe bombs got found. The, the non-functional pipe bombs. Non-functional pipe bombs. The ones that were just designed to look like bombs, even though they could never explode no matter what you did. Brilliant. All right. So that, that happened. And now I guess this is probably, and I've said this before on the air, the stock market didn't even go down the entire day. Like, that's my world. That's the world I live in, and I can base a lot of things on the reaction of the stock market, and these are the people that know what's going on, and these are the people that make ridiculous decisions about what's happening, and it never even blinked. Like, nobody was afraid the government was about to get overthrown that day. No. Okay. Now, the biggest factor, what should have been the end of the conversation, what should be the Trump card, pun not intended there, but what should have been the Trump card of the conversation is as soon as somebody comes to me and said, they tried to overthrow the government. Okay. They bring guns? No. It was a safe, it was a gun safe zone, gun free zone. So, I mean, they respected the gun free zone rule while trying to overthrow the government of the United States of America. This is. The Trump supporters. This is the MAGA crowd. This is the most pro-2A section of the most gun-friendly country in the history of humanity. And they brought total, total confiscated guns on the day was like four. You're telling me they had orchestrated and organized this entire event, including pipe bombs that were that were meant to be decoys to draw police away, having Donald Trump inform them that they were going to take it over, and that they all brought, combined, amongst these tens of thousands of people that showed up, Four of them brought guns. Four. And they were going to overthrow the government? Do you know how stupid you have to be to believe that? Like, do you know, uh, hearing that, and I get it if you didn't know that, fine. My favorite is I said this to somebody, you know what their response was? You're going to love this. He said they brought a guillotine. And all I could do was laugh at him. Because some dude, in a, in a way of like bringing up pictures of the French Revolution, brought a guillotine, and he's like, they didn't need guns, they had a guillotine. Like, Oh, oh shit. God. It's like so, bringing an abacus to a science test. I'm saying, like, it, it's such an insane claim. And now the idea that, you know, Liz Cheney and, and Adam Kinzinger, fella, and all these other absolute disingenuous lying sacks of shit have all been removed from their elected office, good. Go into obscurity forever. Just don't come back. Don't have any of us listen to you. Don't ask to be taken seriously. Go away that is what you can do at this point because the lying and the intentional framing of this in order to make innocent american citizens sit in prisons and sit in jails under what by all accounts is pretty horrific and non-first world conditions what you would be expecting that their right, right to a speedy trial has been waived you're doing terrorism enhancements for people that literally walk down a line a, a part of a crowd and they're doing 19 fucking years in prison? Yeah, Are you kidding me? The uh, QAnon shaman there would still be in prison if the videos of him being escorted by the police didn't come to surface and come to light. Right. Like, he would still be in jail if not for the video evidence basically showing that there was nothing going on. Yeah, so I'm saying one of these is a wild theory. One is that this was actually orchestrated and organized by Donald Trump with his lieutenants and the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. The other one is that the government and the the uniparty establishment government set this up to take advantage of a situation and encourage people to break into the building and they are using that to leverage people in an effort to maintain a hold on their own power. 
Now I get it. That sounds conspiratorial. But you're going to tell me what's more likely is a bunch of rednecks got together in Washington to overthrow the government and nobody brought a gun. Yeah, but they had a great team. They had Ray Epps. The leader. Fearless leader. I mean, Ray Epps. Into the Capitol. Yeah. And then they chanted Fed at him, which was wonderful. Yeah. But, like, there were so many of these moments where you're just going, like, there, there is no way this lines up. Like, the, what I'm expected to believe. And then this stupid January 6th commission gets together and they start releasing these videos. And people are like, see? See? Like, yeah, I, I see. But I also was watching video that day because you and I were sending videos back and forth, people that were live streaming. And, like, there were, there were doors being opened by police yeah. officers saying, come on in. And I'll never, this video is ingrained in my mind forever. The kid is filming and he turns and the cop's like, let's go. And the guy's like, what? He's like, I'm not, listen, I, I don't agree with it, but it is what it is. Come on. And so the crowd just starts coming through the door and the kid's like, I feel like this is a trap. <laughs> like it was. And now they're going after people that just, there's no reason to go after these people. If you want to, you, you want to ding them for trespassing. Great. You want to interrupting an official proceeding. Awesome. They're guilty of that. You're right terrorism enhancements for this nonsense you are out of your damn mind and if you support this you are going to have to face up with that reality at some point for 19 years for walking into the freaking capitol building all right and taking uh, whatever god bless they probably gave the chair to that cole beasley looking dude that tried to steal the podium which was hilarious but yeah he's probably in prison now let's switch gears ever so slightly sure we did not. We were not on the air ten years ago. No, we didn't know no. each other ten years ago. No, that's factually correct. I think about yes. seven, seven years ish. Ish. Seventeen, two thousand sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Seventeen into eighteen. So there was this plane back in the day, MH three seventy. They called it Malaysian Airlines. It just disappeared out of thin air. Did you see the video that came out this week of what looks like? I mean, it's quote-unquote leaked video who knows if it's uh, real leaked video but the video itself has been critiqued by several people who seem to have uh, information about the what they're looking at in the video and there's coordinates and things that are part of the video that would make you think the video is of the missing flight MH370 now if Dom Lenman was still on the air and was still continuing to report on this he said he was gonna report on this every day until they found it and then he gave up after like I don't know four months or something, but longer than to, he tried to, to his credit, he, he, he was onto something, I think. Um, so you guys can see this video here that I got playing in the background here and well, that's not what I wanted. There you go. And now this is a, a heat thermal image here, this blue one here, and you can see the plane, but there's these white orbs that are seemingly circling the plane ahead of time. And then it just disappears, right? It just disappears off of the uh, uh, radar or infrared, whatever they're actually looking at here. Um, weird. Beyond weird. <laughs> Super weird. <laughs> now, we have been joking that this whole uh, uh, alien, like, revelation thing has kind of been a, like a big psyop. Mm-hmm. Like, this seems to be like the cherry on top of the psyop, right? They're going to bring back the MH370 nonsense into the aliens. Like, this seems too good to pass up, right? So I had to bring it up. Feels like a trap. Yeah, it feels like a trap for sure, but what the hell? What? 
I mean, I don't know what to say about the video because I, you know, I'm not going to be able to prove it or not prove it. I'm not but smart enough to what the down. hell? Yeah. They just went straight to alien abduction with this plane. Well, I mean, what is the... I mean, maybe they talked about it 10 years ago when it happened, it was alien abduction. I mean, listen, I've, I remember seeing some old movies, I don't even know what they're called anymore, where these flights were like, you know, captured mid-flight and all the live people were kind of shuffled off into like some heaven place and then they put a bunch of dead people or fake dead people back on the plane so it could go back and whatever. I mean, there were some crazy movies back in the day. This reminded, brought back that movie where... I have to go look it up and I'll send it to you. Thank you. But... Do you think the plane is like to someplace else? Do you think it's like in another dimension? Do you think these people, if it was abducted, like what happened? Is this, did it vaporize into the midair? <laughs> I don't think that's a reality. I I have no idea. Like it's fun though. It's it, it is. This is a uh, this is a good one. And I guess like the counter argument is, well, what else could have happened to it? Like it just disappeared. It didn't crash. It didn't go anywhere. It's I know they said it might have. What did they say? Crashed into the ocean. That's what they thought, but they have found nothing of the plane. Yeah, that's a it's a seven sixty seven. It's a big plane. Yeah. I mean, I know the ocean's big too, but you'd be able to like with how well the GPS stuff works. You're telling me there's no chance they could have found the wreckage. Nothing. Not even a not even inflatable raft. Not even a pillow. Like nothing. Yeah, I have a hard time with that. I gotta be honest. That's. I mean, I had always just assumed that somebody had kidnapped a plane and it was going to end up in a building someday. Like they would just kidnap the plane. You know what I mean? They hijacked it, they landed it, and then they were like, "Hey, let's just retool this thing and then go fly it into a building." Like that was where I was going with the whole thing because I'm that person. But this is way better. Aliens. I mean, it is better. I don't know what to make of this. I will be the first one to tell you this is so far outside of any area of expertise that I have. I have no strong opinion on this one way or the other, other than it's fascinating. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got is that it is fascinating. We will follow up on this. I feel like you're using we pretty strongly there. You can. I will make sure that you follow up on this. How about that? I will force it on you. I don't have enough conspiracies uh, going on up here. No. I need this one too. Yeah. We can tell some this is a great conspiracy. That's, that's why I like it. Brought it in. All right. I know we're not talking about this today, but this is closely related enough since we're talking about like aliens. Yeah. Did you see the uh, the new AI thing came out in Russia and they asked the AI to review the shots from the moon and the AI said more likely than not that the American moon landing was fake, but the Chinese one was real. Could see the heat Did you see the Indian one? No. Around on their axis. It was a cartoon. And they like pawned it off as real video. I was like, that's not a real video. That's literally not a real video. How are you? I'm going to send you that video. Okay. It is, not using automatic it's weird. It looks like a child animation. Like some like really good like savant kid made it on a computer. That's amazing. It looks bad, but it looks good enough to be like, oh, that's pretty good for a 12-year-old. Do you understand how far off the rails I've gone that I'm questioning the moon landing? Yeah. I was never one to Hey, listen, Joe Rogan did for a long time, and then, you know. I'm not saying they definitely faked it. I'm just saying there are some inconsistencies that I wish weren't present so I could feel better about it. See, I'm more of the, I think they went, but I think if there's if there's fake video, it was... Look at that. A limited hangout, right? They're like, hey, let's just make a bunch Watch of, let's get super, super my boy Stanley Kubrick together, make a bunch of scenes, and we'll put that out to the public. But we're really, what we're doing on the moon, we're going to keep to ourselves. I got you. Like, that's I, mean, where I, I think that's a reasonable. That's where I would go with the, the fakeness of the moon landing is the fact that they don't want us to know what was there. Did I make this up, or did somebody call Richard Nixon from the moon? Right in the last frame there. That I don't know. Wasn't there a phone call to Richard Nixon, like, from space? Didn't he talk to these people? 
Man, Motorola must have been good back then. Lures in the last frame. The flip phone. Indication that this 1963 or whatever it was. Speed of light. <laughs> I don't think that happened. So pretty wild video, I mean, right? Obviously, they were talking to Houston. We have a problem, so they they have some communication level up there. But a phone call to the White House seems a little. On July 20, 1969, President Nixon spoke with crew members Neil Armstrong via telephone radio transmission. Let's see if they were in space. They walked on, Ju- on July 20th. There you go. Well, they had cell phones back then, apparently. There it is. I mean, can't be more real than that. Bro, you're telling me we had the technology that you could radio in from the moon to NASA and then patch through to the president of the United States in 1969, but we can't go back to the moon? Like, we can't they, figure out the rocket technology to get back? Oh, they, have the te- they lost the telemetry. It's not weird. I mean, that's NASA's own defense. We, oh, we lost that information on how to get to the moon. I know. They lost it. I'm well aware that that is the official story, and I'm still, like, again, I don't want to question the moon landing, but stuff like that makes me go, wait, what? Do we not Like have- I said, I square it by being like, the government lies to me every single second. Sure. Right? So, like, I don't expect them to be telling me the truth. Sure. I just have to figure out why they're lying to me, or not really why, but just... As long as you recognize that there are lying, you can kind of reverse engineer sure. why they would be lying to you, right? So the, to, to the moon, it's either they didn't go, and this was all a, a money grab. Or trying a, to get so you trying to, to yeah, try to out. try to Right, so try to, you know, basically a pissing contest, if you will, with Russia or whatever, like trying to, hey, we got there first, whatever. I think it's more likely that they went, they found what they needed to find and didn't want to tell us what they found, like a bunch of evidence that the sun is a micronova and that it blasted the moon and there's a bunch of glass beads on the moon and whatever. Like, I think there's a bunch of evidence that would have shed light on the fact that our sun is a micronova and that would be hard to corral the masses if we all knew the sun was going to blow up at some day, right? So, um, which we do, but, or... All right. I, I, that's... That's my working philosophy sure. on why they lied to us. I, I mean, I don't disagree with it. My, I always rank conspiracy. I just like conspiracy yeah, theories, I whether it. I believe them or not. I just think they're fun. Yeah. So I love the conspiracy theory that they just faked the moon landing as a way to get the Soviet Union to spend a lot of money and go bankrupt. Awesome. A better conspiracy theory is what you're saying right now, which is that the moon landing, while the videos and stuff are fake, is in actuality so easy to do, and we go all the time. We've been several times. What and- was the name of the moon landing, the mission? Apollo. What is the Apollo? I don't know. The sun god. Oh. Weird that they went to the moon on, on the, the sun, sun god. god. That is yeah, go ahead. I didn't think about that, but that's yeah. interesting. And my, my now my favorite one, though, of all of these different conspiracy theories is to build on that, is that the moon is actually a man-made object from like 100,000 years ago, and that's why it's so perfectly placed to dictate the tides and the seasons and the weather and everything else. And Do you think why. it's weird that the distance the moon is from the earth and the size of the sun and the size of the moon just happen to make it a perfect eclipse? It's, I mean, it's pretty... It seems mathematically impossible, it actually. It seems pretty amazing. That's what I mean. Like, I'm not telling you it's right, but that's pretty cool. I like that So, theory. if we just piggyback on this even further, uh-huh. and we take my original, uh, or at least the general idea of my uh, theory that they're hiding whatever they found up there, they could just be hiding the fact that there's a man-made structure and that uh, there's a, you know, some kind of man behind the curtain... Driving the moon. Awesome. That'd be awesome. Right? 
just hollow cheese thing, and then there's a guy in the middle of it just driving the cheese moon. Or like it was definitely constructed, and then like, everything else happened. But it it is it is odd that this is that perfectly sized. Right, because space. the theory is that the moon is like a debris from a celestial collision back in the day, and that the moon just got caught by our gravitational gravitational pull, pull and just happened to land in the perfect spot to control the tides and give us exact eclipses. I mean, man. A lot, of moving par- a lot of moving parts there. It is. I never yeah. thought about the idea of the eclipse, but why is this in this perfect It's exactly. Place? Exactly the right place. And yeah. is that mathematically, statistically It seems impossible? almost impossible. It seems unlikely. <laughs> to have just two, gig- two planets collide, and all of a sudden a chunk of one of the planets ends up exactly the right amount away. And we have tides because yeah. of that. Yeah. Like- and we get to have life and... Whatever seems, man, seems like a very convenient set of circumstances for us to be having the show. The more I hear about these things, the more I look at atheists. Like, are you sure? Are you sure there's nothing behind this? So, like, as somebody who has changed his personal definition from atheist to okay. somebody who says I am now unreligious, that's sure. my personal. I think, and we've talked about this before we even had a show, is that I think that the religion and the religions of the world primarily evolved out of some cataclysm that happened, i.e. like, you know, Floods, the great flood the deluge, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so deluge. that makes me sound religious, mm-hmm. but really I'm just, I think that there is geological evidence of a flood. Yep. And do I think it was to, because the humanity had lost its way and were bad and this was God's wrath? No. I think it was a celestial phenomena that happens in the universe and the solar system and our planet on a somewhat cyclical, regular basis, and all these religions were kind of born. When these catastrophes happen, and if you know our boy like Ben Davidson is right, when these catastrophes happen, there is a global reset. Sure. Like everybody forgets everything. There is a, you know maybe hundreds, thousands of years of just what happened, right? People trying to figure out what happened after the fact. So these religious stories are kind of like bits and pieces, like Cliff Notes versions of these stories that were passed down, you know, some on physical, uh, you know, stone slabs or whatnot, some through oral tradition, some through nursery rhymes and whatever, songs and all this other stuff is kind of little bits and pieces of way to kind of remember the, what happened. And we have we are as many uh, alternative history uh, uh, alternative history researchers that we are a civilization with amnesia. I haven't read that book yet, but I own it. Yeah, I haven't read that. I don't know that is it's uh, species with amnesia is yeah, the name of the book. That's Graham Hancock's book, yeah, right? I haven't okay. read it yet. Yeah, but so that idea has been out there before Graham Hancock. Even he kind oh, of yeah. he's just reiterating that same idea that we forgot what happened to us and. Listen, if the lizard people know what happened to us, they're not telling us, right? They're, they're keeping that information to themselves yes. and doing whatever they need to do to build bunkers or whatnot. But I do think that's where... So I've come off this atheist position in large part because I think that the organized religions are just misinterpreting the data. I think the organized religions, by and large, are a product of misinformation that was intentional. I think if you look back at the basis of... I mean, the Vatican has secret... Right. 
catacombs. Like, <laughs> again, it, it's got. There's a reason they're not releasing everything, and even the King James Bible and, and the idea that it all stemmed from the Conference of Nicaea, where a bunch of people sat down and decided these are the beliefs and these are the only gospels that can be included, and these gospels are not to be included, et cetera, et cetera. Is fine, but I sit at the same point. Look at it as I don't. I don't. I mean, technically I'm Catholic, but I don't really subscribe to any one denomination at this point. I think the Catholic Church has done tremendous wrongs over the course of its history. Uh, I view it more from the standpoint of if you look at stuff like that we don't comprehend yet, like the idea of the golden ratio being present everywhere. If you look at statistically, what are the odds of us being able to develop life on this planet the way that it has. What is it about human beings that are so unique that we somehow developed and evolved to have a conscience, to have the the decision to make a right or a wrong of, of evil and good. Um, and I think that all of that together makes me very suspicious from that standpoint of, huh? Now I think most religious texts are, I agree with you, are trying to tell this story. I don't know that they all started as a result of this one flood. I think some of it actually predates that. Yeah. However, I do think the teaching of, if you look at what happened, let's say the flood happened, which I, you and I are kind of in agreement of overwhelmingly likely there was, there was definitely a flood and a lot of people died. Now who survived? The people that were the most in tune with nature, the people that had the simplest lifestyles, the people that like literally the were ones who could living adapt. off the land, the ones who could adapt. The people that perish are the ones who are completely relying on technology and on science and on breaking away from the God's teaching of be one with nature, take care of the earth, the earth will take care of you, I've put this all out for you. And even in the Bible, it talks about one of the reasons for the flood on top of the wickedness was that human beings have become too reliant and they have chosen the science, it wasn't really science in that, that term, but turned away from nature, turned away from God and did all this. And in reality, no, it might not be that you know God decided to do it, it was a cosmic uh, event, that just happens, but it was the idea and the teaching and the lesson behind the story should have been, don't do this because this will happen. And when it does, if the people that are going to die are the ones that it like right now, people in America would survive if we had a flood, but not a lot. Yeah, no. I mean, because, no, no, whereas, nobody in the East coast is going to, if, if the cataclysm unfolds the way like Ben Davidson thinks where, you know, we're going to kind of, uh, slowly the earth crust kind of slowly shifts after the micronova because it kind of the uh, mantle gets unlocked from the uh, crust yeah and that there's this shift like the whole east coast is underwater so you better be in the rockies how far east do I, how far west do i gotta get uh so there is if you look if you actually looked at like the tectonic plates of the united states you can see where you need to be you want to know what makes me nervous about going west yellowstone yeah so yellowstone if you people have fear of that and I'm, again, I keep bringing up Ben Davidson here. So he thinks, similar to if you ever, you ever, I'd have to show you this on Mars, but there's a, a similar thing going on in Mars where the the Yellowstone system is broken. So the the all of the the ways that Yellowstone would de- build up pressure and have an explosion are all gone. So they mm. there's a disconnect from the mantle to the crust near Yellowstone. So that's why there's all these geysers and whatnot. So there's no pressure buildup. Okay. It's, there's endless release valves in Yellowstone National Park now because the what I think this is Ben's assertion so he can yell at me if I'm wrong but he thinks that the crust shifted just enough so that the plumes from the mantle are no longer in line with the Yellowstone volcano the super volcano so that there's a disconnect from where the magma would shoot out build up and shoot out but now that that has been disrupted that there's no way for that specific area on the planet to actually build up enough pressure to actually have a supervolcano. So 
maybe that relieves some fear of uh, moving out west. It, yeah, I mean, because I, I know his observer's camp is out in Colorado, right. and that was one of those things that I always looked at. Uh, he like, moved from Pittsburgh to Colorado. Man, if that thing ever went off, like you're talking super volcano, that's I'd be worried about being anywhere like west sure, of the Rockies sure, at yeah. that point, or anywhere in line, because, man, that's that would get that's ugly. Big. Yeah, but so... Th- his theory is that that supervolcano is broken, that system is broken, that no longer can actually erupt the way that it used to. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, that threat should be mitigated. largely mitigated. Yeah. Okay. So, not saying you shouldn't be fearful of that, because who in hell knows, but like right. that is uh, Mr. Davidson's working hypothesis, that the Yellowstone is broken and can no longer erupt on the, on the scale that it used to. But it, his other thing with the pole slip is also that it's the... It's not that we're underwater here. It's just, it's shifting and we're... Right. So if you can imagine, everybody knows, you know where Greenland is, right? Sure. So imagine Greenland going to the equator, right? Yes. So Newfoundland, Maine, the East Coast is all going to be south of Greenland. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Continually. So as Greenland shifts south to the equator, the United States is now going to be in the Southern Hemisphere. Yes. And the East Coast is all going to be basically tropical... Like, it's going to be, right, I mean, you're going to be tropical. It's beautiful. Right, right, right. It'll be lush. Um, no snow. And I could live with that. Yeah. So the East Coast is not, the water's not coming up over, I mean, it's coming up over the East Coast because the East Coast is actually going under the water, right? So like like it's, it's shifting this way, and the water, because the water is not tied to the crust, is just rising. basically rising above it on a very slow level, like, Davison said, he's like, you could probably have a boat and float away. He's like, I don't know where you're going to end up. He's like, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to be like a, like a tsunami where it right. just rushes over the whole, the coast will have problems for sure. sure. But the, those, even all the way through the Appalachian mountains are going to end up underwater. Interesting. So we're going to end up like at least partially underwater up here. For a time being, and who knows how it's going to emerge on the other side when right. all the water shakes out. And because there's isostatic pressures, like the water, where there's weight on where the oceans are is pushing down on the earth. When that water starts moving around, there's going to be spots that expand, some that contract. So the shape of the earth is going to be a little bit morphed than what it is now, depending on where the water eventually sits. Baby, I got to learn how to sail. Yeah. Let me know. No other option. I need a boat. Yeah. Listen, Noah had a boat. eh, You know what? That worked out well for him. I'm going to need a boat. All right, let's <laughs> let's 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 touch on our boy Elon for a second here. So, uh, I guess we're done with the Malaysian Airlines flight now. Yeah. <laughs> Aliens, cataclysms. We took a turn on that one. Yeah, that's all right. That's what we're here for. That's it. So, let's talk about our boy Elon here for a second. Let me pull this up here. Oh yeah, here it is. All right. So Elon, what's this dude's name again? This dimwit. I don't know. Yeah, you do. What the hell's that guy's name on care. MSNBC? Sorkin, Andrew Sorkin. Andrew Sorkin, sure. So he's clearly, he's an MSNBC guy here. He's hosting a show. He's got anti-Semitism was not my intention for Musk, whatever here. So he's got this video going on here. This is only a 40-second clip, 45 seconds. So I'm going to play this, hopefully without instant, uh, without problems. And, uh, you know, my producing skills are a little bit difficult. This will be the first time I'm going to include a media into, with sound into this. So bear with me, folks, if uh, for some reason it doesn't work out right of the hair. But... For context, this is Sorkin basically kind of, I say kind of grilling Musk because I don't think Musk was really felt grilled there, but Sorkin, I could tell, was trying to like, you know. Pin him. 
trying to get some like crazy question in there to get him. And Elon's response was great. So let me just play this uh, response from Elon here. And uh, let me see if I can set this up. Apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was. Hasn't worked out yet. Maybe not. That sucks. That was playing earlier. Apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? One second. If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But... Go fuck yourself. Uh, is that uh, clear? Let me reset this here for you guys. I, I hope it is. Hey, so again, let's set this up. Andrew Sorkin interviewing Elon about advertising's uh, boycotting Twitter. Apology tour, if you will. That were, this had been said online... There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. <laughs> is that clear? I, I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, well, let me ask you then. That's how I feel. Don't advertise. How do you think then about apology? All right. Are we back? I think we're back. Uh, we are back. So go fuck yourself, says Elon <laughs> to, uh, I think he was referencing Bob Iger there. Well, of course he was referencing Bob Disney. Iger. Uh, so this is obviously been a game where these advertisers have been basically trying to undermine Twitter from the time Elon took over. So this is not new per se, but I think Elon's hiring of that, what's her name? Linda Vicario, whatever her name, the trust the I don't know, the lady who the CEO of Twitter now yeah. who came from, you know, basically w, the World Economic Forum. But anyway, so she was in the front row of this interview, which is great because I'm sure she was just like, oh shit. Elon, my boss here. Um, but yeah, go F yourself. Like, which is easy for Elon to say in his position, obviously, which is one of the reasons why him acquiring Twitter even worked for our benefit, for the humanity's benefit is because he doesn't need to be bribed and doesn't need advertisers per se. Um, I'm assuming he'd rather not be forking over losses from Twitter and would rather it be a profitable business. But I think he thinks it's more than just a... Uh, a business for him. It's a it's a communication for the world tour, and I think he right. kind of seems to be standing behind that and thinks that Twitter should be, you know, something bigger than him. Even so, kudos to Elon. I mean, like, you know, yeah. If he can do it without advertisers, then all the better. All the better. Like he is not, you know, beholden to those people, and uh, you know. One more, 
positive uh, in the positive uh, column for Elon, I guess. There you go. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm glad I. I'm glad. I'm glad he was. Uh, I guess committed to the cause there. So. All right. Now let's talk about something even closer to my uh, near and dear here. So. I don't know if you've uh, heard this, Mr. Husong, but Argentina elected a libertarian president. What? Not just libertarian. Not just libertarian. Anarcho-capitalist libertarian. Madman. And hilarious. And funny. And I don't know if you know, but I, I, I wanted to buy, and I haven't bought it yet, but there's, they're selling Malay like, uh, like hats and swag on eBay, and I really want to buy one. I really, the hats are like 40 bucks, and I feel like it's worth it almost. I haven't done it's it close. yet. But Javier Malay, libertarian president of Argentina. Now, I'm not going to play a bunch of the uh, crazy videos because everybody's seen them here. This is kind of a little bit old news, if you will. But sure. since we haven't been on, I feel like I should at least I feel obligated it. to touch base yeah. on the first libertarian president in the world. So, um, yeah, Javier Malay, the outsider libertarian candidate with radical solutions to Argentina's economic crisis, has just won Sunday's presidential runoff. Exciting times here in the uh, libertarian world. No known fact. This is how dysfunctional the libertarian party is. Oh, boy. Of the U.S. Libertarian Party. Sure. 2022, we had our national convention in Reno. The Libertarian Party of Florida had recruited successfully Javier Malay to come speak at our convention. Our planning committee didn't think that was a good idea. Why? We're idiots. Oh, our, 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 our party is dysfunctional. At Fractured. Best. I think it might be the uh, word for your party. Yeah, sure. I mean, all parties, I guess, are technically fractured because sure, I think there's whatever. But our party just cannot function. <laughs> <coughs> so why you can't have nice things. Right, we can't have nice things. We can't have libertarian presidents come to our convention because, pff, duh, that's stupid. So Javier Malay it's amazing. has basically set in motion uh, libertarian pilgrims set sail for Argentina. <laughs> In search of a better life. Are we going to Argentina, Mr. Houston? <laughs> I love the don't tread on me sails. <laughs> I want that boat right there. Well, put it on the Christmas list. I'm going gonna, gonna to get an old wooden ship and name it Diversity. If you go to some of the state sales, sometimes you find wooden ships. It, no, we don't. Oh, come on, man. Don't get my hopes up. Yeah, no. So, listen, I think this is great. You know, who knows how it's actually going to unfold in Argentina. You know, I don't know if this guy's going to be good or bad. I mean, sure. I've seen pictures of him where he's not in, you know, there's other things, you know, he's not a, I don't know, whatever. It's hard for me to get my hopes up in any one person. Like I did that with Ron Paul and, uh, you know, he never won anything, which is probably better. So like, I never got my, my, the, the, the aura that was built up around, uh, Ron Paul could just exist because yeah. he was never going to be able to ruin it. He couldn't die. Like Javier yeah. could ruin it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know what that means, like mandate, well, I mean, vac mandate vaccines went, or something, you know what I mean? Like, he could ruin it. But he went with, like, he went and met with an aide of Biden and then went, or no, he had lunch with Bill Clinton and then met with one of Biden's aides right after. So there's already some warning signs. Yeah, I mean, like, you're, oh, don't I mean, listen, you're a, you're a leader of, of, of a giant country it. at this point. I mean, you know, Argentina is a legit small, company, yeah. legit country. So, um, and you have to play the game. I mean, listen, I played the sure. game. So, like, I get I mean, it. I hate all those people, but I, pl that I played with and I'm hoping that he does too, but Fun for libertarians. Javier Malay. This is fun for everybody. All right, I'm sorry. But unless you're like an advocate of the, I don't even know the right way of saying this, but it, like the state of if, you, if you're 
if you're a believer, a statist, a statist is the right word. Like if you're somebody that just thinks government is the answer, then no, this isn't fun for you. But if you have any, like the slightest bit of common sense and you realize how insane that is, this is hilarious. Like this dude's coming out being like, you're gone, gone. Yeah, he's like, department. and the fad, he's, he, 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 that's one of the things he said. He's not, he's, he will not compromise on ending their central bank. Yeah, because he wants competition between currencies. And that's going to be a – every other leader who's tried to do that has not been a leader anymore. So we'll see if he tries to follow through on that. Because when you killed. separate yourself from the IMF and the uh, the U.S. dollar, uh, people come after you. Yes, and I, I, I don't think it's going to be as easy, but I also feel like, all right, if you this is what you want to do, then go do it. And at some point – Looking at what's going on with our own Federal Reserve right now, and this is where I do think it's probably the biggest thing where people do not grasp the significance, do not grasp how much impact the Federal Reserve has on their daily lives, and worst of all, do not grasp that it's actually a private organization under no obligation to the public whatsoever. And people just assume that none of that's true, but in reality it is. And then people also assume that they make mistakes, but it's – at its heart, a benevolent organization looking out for the betterment of the country and its citizenry, which... Yeah, go read go read Creature from Jekyll Island and then reassess. Yeah, it's just, it's adorable that people still believe that, but people do, and like, ignorance is bliss, because once you start opening this door, you realize, like, oh my God, everything is hanging on by a thread. Yeah. Like, for the, for the status quo to continue, which is ultimately in the short term for the betterment of most people, because if the whole system collapsed, most people would, are not prepared whatsoever. So you kind of need the Federal Reserve to keep doing what it's doing because it's the only thing stopping. But it's not fair because it's the Federal Reserve that got us to this point of everything is so jacked up and could go south so quickly. And it's like, if you pointed out, love, hey, no, uh, Jerome Powell's not like a great dude. He's, he's just not. Ben Bernanke was an absolute sack of human shit, and he did terrible things. Same with Janet Yellen. Same with Alan Greenspan. Like, all the way back. And, you're, and people are like, oh, no, he was a genius. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not arguing. Listen, Henry Kissinger was a genius. It doesn't make him a good person. Yeah. I would. I would encourage everybody to go back if you haven't already and just watch some of the, the Ben Bernanke and Ron Paul back and forth. Those were fun because uh, Ron Paul served on the like the, the House Banking Committee or whatever whatever committee was there. But often got to ask. Like I remember when he asked Ben Bernanke what is money. Like and then watch Ben Bernanke just squirm in his chair, being like trying to figure out how to what words to say so he's not going to break bring down the world. So, right. um, yeah. Go Javier Malay. He did raise and he did wave the Israel flag like day two. Yeah, well, I mean that seems to be the um, cause du jour. Yeah. So again, who knows how it's going to unfold? But right now, it's like you know, happy birthday, libertarians. I'm happy for you. Yeah, well, I'm happy I, for yeah. me too. I'm not a libertarian, but this is hilarious, and yeah, I'm enjoying it every time. A new. He just says the most. He's like George Santos, but like legit. Like George Santos says a bunch of crazy shit and you're like, that's fun. That's fun. I love that. Like he's a, he's a congressman. I can't believe it. And then you get Javier Malay who's crazier, but actually legit, like George, legit crazy. If no, you like, Malay is actually very intelligent, yeah, very oh, well read, yeah. like Austrian economist and, and a believer in that. And he's very well read on the subject, very well studied. And he has substance to back up the flair. There is substance to it. So he says some off the wall stuff about how, shit leftists and uh how the reason that trans women exist is because men with small penises it's not the like he says some off the wall stuff but then when you get it like i'm gonna end the central banking and they're like okay that's funny he's like no listen here's why because laws of supply and demand and the the currency's this and this is what's causing the hyperinflation and this like oh 
So he says it, but there is substance behind it. George Santos is psycho. There's no substance behind him whatsoever, but he is, but like he a, is fun. He is like a parody for all of U.S. Yeah. politics yeah. right now. And now that they did it, are you following him at all on Twitter? No, but I heard he went after Brandon Williams. Or he's going after everybody. Yeah, good. He's Brandon like, Williams I'm filing a... an ethics violation on this person yeah. and this person and this because look at all these stock trades that they made. Yeah, look good. at all this like, oh, he's Burn it down. scorched earth. Burn it down. I love him now. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Everything he did was horrifyingly bad. He took campaign financing or campaign contributions, paid off his credit card, subscribed to like 10 different OnlyFans accounts with that money, was covering all his personal expenses. Like it's clear ethics violations. No arguments. Probably deserve to be expelled even without a you know criminal conviction. Because I mean, whatever. If he does deserve, just a real quick side, uh, hundreds of others probably have been Thank deserving, you. but go ahead. And that's, I could not agree more. Yeah. So here's where I'm going to maintain my consistency. I think they should be removed and therefore I think he should be removed too. But if it starts with him and he wants to go burn shit, or yeah, burn I'm sorry, scorched earth, bring it on because he's right i'm sorry but he is the idea that all these other people like nancy pelosi can get away with the stock trades and tommy tuberville can get away with what he's done and all these other people can do these things but we're mad at him for subscribing to only fans i'm sorry forgive me if i'm not outraged i think it's hilarious i mean at least he was on only fan dennis haster was just grabbing real <laughs> dudes off the street what there's always somebody worse. There's always, there's, it's, there's always somebody worse. Always, every single time. That's what I mean. I just, I get it. I get why he has to be removed. But now can everybody else come onto my side where all these other people should be removed yeah. too? Can we just start going with ethics violations then? I, you know, believe it or not, I don't think Mitch McConnell is as clean as the freshly driven snow. Sure. Sure. I, I messed up that, uh, no, I that phrase, but I got it. I, yeah. like, I, I came back and saved it, I think. And like Chuck Schumer, maybe there's a skeleton or two. Maybe the fact that Paul Pelosi has the most successful investment record in the history of mankind isn't a coincidence. Remember when he got it? Remember when he got hit in the hammer by his gay lover? Yeah, it was. Listen, his gay drug dealer, whatever it was. Everything about that is still weird, and yeah. it still makes no sense. And I'm not asking any questions about it. I I don't understand that. But I'm more concerned about the idea of like you are clearly profiting from inside information to the betterment of yourself at the expense of, of mankind. There are separate laws for these people, and that's not okay. So therefore, good. George Santos should be expelled. And I hope he gives the dirt on every one of the rest of you, and you all yeah. have to be expelled too, because you I don't know what to say all, but let's say 90% plus are awful human beings. An overwhelming majority. Be it. Yeah. So I'm rooting, I'm rooting for it. Brandon Williams still out of favor of the libertarians, eh? I mean, me. Oh, I, don't okay, know I'm, I mean, he was never really in favor of libertarians, I guess. Um, he seemed to uh, cozy up to me because I was anti his opponent more than I was pro Brandon Williams, but I thought that his opponent was amateur at best. And hey, Canole? No, Steve, Steve. No, no, no. The Republican, oh, the primary challenger, yeah, yeah, Steve no. Wells. Steve, that was funny. He <laughs> literally he ran the worst course I've ever seen in the history of. Political, political commercials, where yeah. he basically tried to claim that Brandon Williams was a liberal elitist farmer. Lots of those. Going yeah, I'm like, <laughs> this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my whole life. So at that point, I was like, whoever made that ad should lose. So I'm just going to root for this other guy. And then he won. <laughs> I love that you got that down deep into the reasoning. Yeah. Oh, I listen, I reached out to the campaign manager. I said, I, I'm not really, you know, on board with all your stuff, but like, I, this other guy cannot win. So there you go. But as we just wrap this up and bring us full circle here, the campaign manager that I was uh, friendly, uh, friendly with is the one who was getting berated by Brandon Williams telling him, like, uh, you know, if, don't fuck with my family or whatever he said there. I if don't know. you mess with my family, I will fuck up every relationship you have. Yeah. 
Which, listen, is it true that the campaign, former campaign staffers were starting and spreading rumors that his daughter had an OnlyFans account? That I don't know. I don't know what the I actual... That. Yeah, that. Yeah, that could be. I don't know of the... What the trigger was to the... What, what the conversation was. Apparently, Brandon Williams got back to Brandon Williams that people on his former staff or former staffers of his were talking about somebody in his family, whether it's his daughter, his wife, or I don't know, whoever, but yeah. that's the first I've heard that very possible. I have that no might idea. Not even only fence, some kind of adult. Sure. That maybe, maybe have like something very inappropriate of a sexual nature. And uh, listen, not for nothing. I mean, was it true? If somebody said that about my daughter and it was false, I probably would have done a lot worse than just yell at them. Like that, that would have been, I would have yelled at them a lot worse and hopefully not physically harm them. If it's true. No, I can't say anything. But if it's not, I don't know. I'd have a hard time getting there. I mean, I would just like that person's full of shit. I don't have to. <laughs> you have to threaten his livelihood. I guess I don't know. Like I said, unless it's true. If it's true, I mean, obviously, truth is the ultimate defense. Yeah, and that also seems to you know when people are trying to hide the truth, they kind of tend to act irrational. So listen, I don't, Brandon Williams was always uh, cordial to me. In person, like I never had any. I never you know, met him. I never. Yeah, I met him a few times. He's always been, again, pleasant to me. But I don't think he agrees with anything that I have. I've basically would actively campaign for a primary opponent of his if one was available. So, um, fair enough. Hopefully, he goes away. All right. Before we touch on our last subject, which is going to be multiple COVID subjects, we're going to touch on some COVID here. But I, we got. I can. I'm going to tease you with a bunch of different articles here. But I want to. Uh, uh, start with the, this one from uh, Lee Fang and Jack Polson on Unheard. Oh boy. Uh, that was a couple weeks ago uh, about Moderna. But before we do that, I'm going to remind everybody again to please like the video, share the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to us on the podcast uh, service of your choice, please pull over and leave us a five-star rating review. There you go. No, no texting and driving or no rating and driving. So, all right. On that note, let's talk COVID here. So, I'm going to start with this. Moderna is spying on you. New documents reveal its attempts to control the vaccine debate. So this article is uh, by Lee Fang and uh, Jack Polson. Uh, they kind of go through this relationship that Moderna has with a couple of NGOs. Um, and what those NGOs did to propagandize the vaccine, right? So basically this, where is it? The uh, people's something good, something public good project or some, you know, fake stupid name. Um, I'll find it in a second. Run by a former FBI, multiple FBI agents uh, apparently working for Moderna for, I don't know what reasons, why Moderna would need a gackle of FBI agents to be employed on their uh, uh, payroll there. But apparently they're a propagandist, so they... Make sure that, uh, quote-unquote, even true information is labeled misinformation uh, by to defend the vaccine, right? So I ha- And I have uh, Lee Fang here uh, set up an interview here uh, when he was interviewed by, I think it was Russell Brand, actually. Oh. So I have a Russell Brand and Lee Fang interview about this very article here that I'm going to set up here and play. Um, but I, let, let's, let me do that now, actually. So let me... Give me, bear with me so yep. that I can get my uh, 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 volume controls in, in order here and make sure we're not reverberating off our, off our own ears here. But let's play this uh, a couple uh, segments here from um, this Lee Fang interview with Russell Brand here. Let me make sure I got my times right. I do. 
All right, so this is going to be about just under three minutes. So bear with me, but this is, I think, important. Well, this is a pretty rare look behind the curtain. This is a story about how a large corporation is really manipulating concerns around public health and public discourse to its own benefit. Um, Moderna essentially classifies in its own internal documents uh, all legitimate criticism of the vaccine industry as quote unquote dangerous misinformation. And that includes categorizing any criticism of the effectiveness of the vaccines, criticism of policies that coerce individuals to inject the vaccine, even the pandemic profiteering, you know, this massive effort to make as much money as possible during the pandemic. You know, they were actually fingering you in, in some of these reports uh, for your criticism of the amount of money made uh, by these large corporations. So this is really the documents show the blurring of the lines between misinformation, disinformation, and corporate marketing. You know, it seems like there's no distinction between those two categories. You know, there's, of course, dangerous misinformation out there in terms of lies and, you know, bad information that spreads on social media, sure. But they're taking basically any criticism of corporations that benefit from the vaccines, of any of these policies around the pandemic, uh, and attempting to say, hey, you should ignore these stories. Potentially, these social media platforms should censor these stories. And they're also equipping uh, healthcare professionals uh, with some of their partners uh, to rebut some of these claims. So they're basically uh, recruiting the medical profession to fight any criticism of these corporations. And, you know, I should say that um, we obtained these documents. Um, we also, I'm, I'm using some of the documents that I obtained. Uh, from doing the, the Twitter files reporting, there's a couple different sources I'm using here. Um, but Moderna is different than Pfizer. You know, Pfizer is a mega pharmaceutical corporation. They have dozens and dozens of products. Moderna is unique because this is a company that was essentially a startup for a very long time. The COVID vaccine is their only approved product. So this is a company that went from complete obscurity to becoming, uh, you know, worth a valuation of over $100 billion almost overnight. Uh, because of the vaccine. Now that the pandemic is waning, it's kind of in the rearview mir mirror, um, there's less, there are less people buying their product. So they're even more concerned with using and really manipulating these public discourse debates to get people to continue buying their product. They, they are really dependent on more governments and individuals buying their product. All right, we are back. So he basically outlines there how Moderna is basically its own NGO. They, they, as we pointed out, they only have one product. This product was the COVID vaccine. It was outfitted by federal agents throughout. It seems as though Moderna was just a extension of the FBI, CIA, the, the, the of the government. It literally was like a kind of non-government organization, but in, in real, like it, it served the purposes of facilitating government action. Yeah, the NGO is called Public Good Projects, by the way. And uh, we did we looked into Moderna. Mode, mode RNA? This. Yeah, Mode RNA. And about some of the things that just 
that, that didn't line up, uh, especially with Stephane Bansell, their CEO. Um, and how lizard person, Stephen oh, yeah. Bansell, freshly minted billionaire, Stephane Bansell. Uh, him and four others related to Moderna became new billionaires because of the pandemic. So this isn't like a trivial amount of money we're talking about these people made. You're, you're talking about becoming a billionaire. Becoming a billionaire is like you don't worry about money ever again. That's a that's a different level of wealth that um, people just don't don't attain. So it's very troubling watching this happen because as we talked about with with the mRNA technology specifically, was one of the biggest problems they were having with mRNA technology for years was that they didn't have a good mechanism to get it into the body. How, because the body's natural yeah. defense would just would not allow it to enter. So they were using lipid nanoparticles that were turning out to be very toxic for humans. And all the experiments and all the testing and all of the trials they ran, they could never even get the human testing because it was so bad. They, like the results, they just couldn't even do anything safe enough to get to the point of human trials. And then we get COVID and we get Operation Warp Speed and now all those trials don't need to be done. And then they unblind their study just like Pfizer does. And now it turns out that, you know, some of the things that they put in their application about how their magic vaccine was made turned out that they didn't even do that for the ones that were distributed to everybody. Bait and switch. They put out a different process and a different product, ultimately, than what was approved even under the emergency use authorization. Correct. Thanks to our boy, Kevin McKernan. He's the one who discovered that. Yeah. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. We'll and, have him get uh, back on for the new studio set up I here know. soon. Yeah. Um, but this is where it gets very troubling. If, if you look at Stephane Bansell's entire past and background and like what was going on at Moderna up into the leadoff of this, like nothing adds up well. So now you find out they have an, an and listen, I think spying is probably the wrong word in this article. I don't think it's spying. I think it's whatever you're putting up on social media, they're looking at and trying to, um, shape how the conversation is, what's allowed, what's not allowed. And they're trying to encourage the government to, take action against certain entities that they deem dangerous. And my favorite of all of these definitions is misinformation is something that's false. Disinformation is something that's true, but is harmful to their case. What? Inconvenient. Right. Like that's, that's insane that you would want to silence anything, but let alone that. Um, I'm still terrified by the idea that there are people that think these companies are in any way altruistic, benevolent, or even ethical. Like they have demonstrated time and again that they're not. They have given you zero reason to think that what they're doing is going to be for the betterment of anybody. And here we are. So let me push back a little bit on the idea that they're not spying. Okay. What was it? Project Good People Good Project? fuck was that some whatever public. with p with p with pgp public good projects yeah. <coughs> sounds as accurate as the patriot act um with pgp moderna is monitoring a huge range of mainstream outlets as well as unconventional ones such as steam an online gaming community and medium which is just a uh a news source meanwhile moderna also retains talkwalker which uses its blue silk artificial intelligence to monitor vaccine-related conversations across 150 million websites in nearly 200 countries. This is what I mean about spying. Like, spying to me is something that I'm trying to keep private that you're looking at. If I put it on the internet, it's not private. I guess. 
That's where Fair. I think the okay. spying is misleading. I, don't, I think it's still insane that they're doing this level of data collection, but I don't think the problem is, like, look, every every major company buys your data up. Like, it's, it's one of the biggest uh, yes. industries that we have in this country, sure. quite honestly, and across the world. Where it crosses the line, in my humble opinion, is where they've taken that and they're encouraging action by government and non-government organizations that have the ear of government to do their bidding for them and silence people that they find troubling and amplify people that are spreading what is in reality bullshit that is supportive of their product and of their company. That's where you get into the, the realm of, wait a minute, no, this is not allowed. You, you can't do this. And in reality, I don't blame Moderna for trying. They're a private entity. They don't owe me anything. But with the fact that the government goes along with it, or at least appears to, and I guess we'll find out more about that as Alex Berenson's lawsuit progresses against Biden and Albert Borla, amongst others. But legalities aside, if you're just an average consumer, is this the company that you really think you want to do business with? Like, how confident are you now in that vaccine that if you just took it, right, you you decided to be a good citizen and you didn't want to be responsible for grandma getting sick or those poor innocent children who were six months old and couldn't be vaccinated and now legally can't be vaccinated in any other country except America. But that's neither here nor there. You find out, like, all right, well, I had all this information, like, but and, you know, crackpots like you and I are pointing out, but they're the ones pushing this information, and this information is nonsense. You're like, you guys are crazy. No company would do that. Apparently they would. Apparently they're doing that and much worse. And, again, do you think this is just a new thing that they're trying, or do you think it's maybe a pattern of what they've been doing since the inception of their company? I'll let you pick whatever one you want. It's your life. I'm not here to tell you how to live. I know I'm not doing business with Moderna. I know I'm not buying from them. No. I'm not taking their free product. Uh, but you see they just lost a lawsuit. Pfizer sued Moderna for, like, patent infringement. It's hilarious. Yeah. Pfizer won. Good. Never thought yes. I'd say good that Pfizer won. Pfizer suing Poland. And a, uh, you'd hope that all these lawsuits end up with some sliver of disclosure, like, kernel of something that just undoes everything that that's, that's what i hope anyway so we never actually talked about this i'm i like the idea of getting into this pilot yeah because i think there's something there but i don't know what so yeah, i stayed away neither, from but, it yeah. um but before we dive into that did you see that the contract with the south african government got published so the no. all the contracts for vaccine purchases have been confidential like the american government won't give us because we live in the free and fair society of the united states of america that's for our safety but we're not to be trusted with the contract our government signed to spend our money to give us shots that they attempted to mandate, neither here nor there. Apparently, you don't deserve to know that. But South Africa, that bastion of freedom, somebody actually leaked it. I don't think they meant to publish it. But it says right in the contract, now we don't know necessarily that the same contract applies to us or that Pfizer maybe changed the terms around for us because we're America and every other country. In Australia. But let's just assume that it's similar. And it says right in there, you're buying these. And you understand Pfizer is making no promises about the effectiveness. We do not have data on safety. There could be risks involved in this. And you're not entitled to know about it. And we don't know. Good. And our elected officials, those brilliant human beings always looking out for our best interest. We're like, okay. And you can make the campaign contribution check out to PAC Save America. But George Santos got boasted because he wanted OnlyFans. OnlyFans, the undoing of 
the umpire. <laughs> what? It's still so funny. But that's my, like, if you, I'll have to send it to you later. I'll send you that and we can share it. We may talk about it next week about some of the terms in this contract that these governments signed. This is, like, I'm, I'm so happy that Pfizer is getting sued by Ken Paxson. I can't tell if Ken Paxson, the AG of Texas, is like a great crusader standing up for liberty or a nut job. I, I don't know yet. Like, same with Elon Musk. I don't yeah. know. Take the good with the bad. Yeah, but I like this. I like yeah. this. Somebody is at least trying to put their feet to the fire and saying, look, if, if nobody else is going to do this, we got to get to the bottom of what happened here. All right. So let me bring up on. a couple headlines here, and then we can just kind of mishmash, and we'll wrap up love the show it. with all this. I but love all, a good all, mishmash. All COVID-related. As you can see on the screen, this is from a Substack, uh, Dr. William Macus. Macus, I'm not sure exactly. Uh, uh, but it's an article by uh, Sally Beck. So she wrote the article. Um, and I, it's not, uh, I guess it is pulled up there. Um, anyway, pilots warn of airline industry disaster due to COVID-19 vaccines. So you can see on this chart here, it's a chart of Squawk 7700 alerts. Must be some internal term of uh, some kind of like health condition when there's something going on with the pilot. Sure. And this is a chart of monthly frequency of calls between 2018 and 2023. There is a noticeable, colorful even, increase of alerts starting when? November 2019. Mandate. Pilots. Vaccine mandate. So. November 19? 20. Yeah. Would have had to have been in 2020. Yeah, yeah would have had to been. Actually, would have had to have been in 2020. December of 2020, the vaccines came yeah. out. And then yeah, in yeah, 2021, yeah. they started doing the mandates. Yeah. So they have, whatever this date is wrong here, they have this. They have it right in the chart, but they have it wrong in the, the actual title here of the chart. But right here, noticeable increase in all these uh, <clears throat> alerts amongst pilots makes me not want to fly. Right? Unless I'm on MH370, then I'd like to end up in like some other dimension. Oh, buddy. What if there's another dimension where we're like Joe Rogan? Sure. (laughs) We're the Joe Rogan of the other dimension. We're the Joe Rogan of the other dimension. All right. Podcast Kings. There there it is. Let's go. Uh, Let's try that dimension out. Yeah. All right. Next headline. Next headline. Again from Uncut. Does New York City 2020 make any sense? So this highlights, and I, I, <clears throat> I should send you, this is from Panda. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a bunch of, uh, it's like pandemic data, whatever. I can't remember what it stands for. New York City, which has, is one of the few states that does not, uh, by law, require the release of death certificates to anybody inquiring. Some people, some states do, some states don't. New York is not one that does. New York is still the only municipality, region in the world, whatever, how you want to classify it, where young people died from COVID. The only one. But substantially, too. Now, Mm. again, we're not allowed to see death certificates um, and why that number is what it is, but it seems convenient that at the beginning of the pandemic, there was this New York City problem that turns out to be may not have been actually a problem in hindsight and may have been blown out of proportion just a tad. May. May. I, would t- I, I included this link in the, uh, uh, in the show notes. I would encourage everybody to, to, to go and read this. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll read the titles of the eight reasons. Go ahead. So 
like if you were just going to say Occam's razor on this of New York City had disproportionate death rates compared to anywhere else in the world. Like nobody ever came close to New York City's rate of death. So it was the same strand of COVID. Uh, New York has some of the best health facilities in the entire world. Yes, New York City. If you're, if, like, if you're Supposedly. going to a hospital anywhere, yeah. you're in New York City. So we can't. you're not talking about sub-Saharan Africa. Like no. we're, not, we're not talking about... Not for a lack of expertise. Right. You got some of the best doctors in the world. You got some of the best facilities in the world. Same strain of the virus. Quote, unquote, expertise. Go ahead. Sure. Why were people dying? And we've talked about population density. New York City is not a densely populated city compared to anywhere else in the world. In America, yes, but it's not in the top 50 of the, t- of the rest of the world for population density. Yeah, there's an obesity problem in America, but again, you didn't see the se- even close, close results anywhere else so i mean the south anywhere i pick a city in the south throw a dart at the board you're gonna find a more obese city than new york like it so we're playing occam's razor here it had to be the treatment because what did new york do differently than everywhere else yeah they locked down hard ventilators they they did all the wrong things the big one and uh that was when the remdesivir nonsense started which for those of you who don't know remdesivir uh was pulled during a cancer trial because it was killing too many people with cancer but we decided to repurpose that for covid right so and let me touch on some of these eight reasons here number one compressed time frame of excess mortality so the new york city records twenty six thousand extra deaths in an 11 week period Twenty six thousand. so there's three thousand dead in 9 11 26,000 in this 11-week period, which is basically a 9-11 every week. Yeah. I think we would have noticed. That's just my, that's my, I'm saying, I'm guess that maybe. Number two, simultaneous, simultaneous rise in deaths across all adult age groups. So the timing was coincided with the changing of the fucking coding on the death on the on the admittance and the thing there was no other re- that there was no oh my god whatever this is happening like first of all we already know and the, I, I think they get into this later in this article here is like it had already been spreading for months before yep. before it got here and then all of a sudden as soon as we started changing the coding yep we got a pandemic so as we highlighted in real time it was a case demic it was not a real pandemic they were just I, categorizing people aggressively in favor of being covid patients and therefore distorted the data i still think the most likely like there are people who did die quote unquote of covid but i do think a large majority the cdc right now says 1700 kids died of covid they're full of fucking shit yeah that's nonsense like that's bullshit i mean just even adults and and even senior citizens like the death rates in new york city were so high that i'm not i'm not going to tell you i'm 100 percent sure of sure of this but I think if I was going to place a bet, I would say that the treatment protocols of quick to ventilate and remdesivir and, and, and the isolation, I think the treatment protocols combined with what we did with nursing homes in New York City is the direct reason why there was an increase in excess mortality in New York City during that time. I don't think it was what they're saying it is, and I think they were basically counting people who would have died anyway as COVID deaths. But I do think something went terribly wrong in New York, and I don't think it was COVID. That's my that's my two cents. I don't think it was COVID necessarily that caused the problems that were there, and I also think it was limited because they did they had like that the the Javits Center, they had the the hospital ship that never got used. So 
I'm wondering how in the world they can claim all these deaths were COVID deaths and the CDC saying 1,700 kids died of COVID is the most nonsensical number I've ever heard in my entire life. What an absolute joke. Yeah. So Some of these kind of overlap on, on reasons why. So I'm not going to read all eight of these reasons, but again, I would encourage everybody to go and uh, check out this uh, 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 article because it has some charts in here that just cannot make sense. So, um, All right, I'll read it. One is the... Uh, they have one compared to other cities, you know, New York City compared to the other cities. Um, and then here, this is number eight, the unexpected high mortality in younger adults, which is, to me, the, the biggest red flag of them all. Because there's no other place that had young people, working age, work, right. work aged people having any kind of uh, excess mortality. Nobody. And so this is where I think your assertion is, is, is valid, where we were mistreating these patients. Um, but I also don't think that the numbers are accurate. Like, I mean, the fact Coding that we the fact that we cannot get validation through death certificates is always going to leave this open as okay, this was fake. And the fact that <coughs> excuse me, the fact that it happened early enough in the pandemic, it fueled everything else, right? I mean, it was New York City was the 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 engine of the pandemic and everybody kind of fell in line after that. So again, I'm, I'll, I'll, link is in the description. Please read that article. I'm not going to go through all this. And then one more thing hit me. Fauci to testify before Congress over COVID-19 response at 2024 hearing. So this is going to happen January 8th and 9th closed doors meeting. So it won't be uh, public uh, for us, but do you think anything good comes of that? No, like I don't think anything does either. I can't believe he agreed to testify. The fact that he agreed to testify means that he's not going to say shit. Yeah. That dude's about to, like, go full Dave Chappelle and Fifth Amendment <laughs> skit. So. If he says fizzith during this screening, I might move out of the country. I would be that happy. Like, I don't see it happening, but. Yeah. All right. Well, hour and 48 minutes. It's a long one today. Well, we had to cover six weeks of information. Yeah, we didn't even I talk. We, we covered didn't, everything. Now, we didn't touch on World War Three once. I mean, other than Kissinger. Next week. Speaking of not next week, but December 18th show, which I'm assuming we're not doing a show on Christmas or New Year's Day. Sure. Those are Mondays. Sure. If we do one in the week there yeah. uh, to fill in, we'll, I'll let you guys know there. But I do plan on doing a show the next three Mondays. So today, the 11th and the 18th. Yes. We have an in-studio guest scheduled for November 18th. The Javier Malay of New York. December 18th, not November. December 18th. Not November. The Javier Malay? Of Ava, New York. A libertarian town supervisor. Close enough. Beat up on the Republican incumbent. 91 votes to 45 votes. And now we have a libertarian supervisor in the town of Ava, New York. So he's going to join us, Mr. Keith Redhead. And you said your party can't get stuff done. Yeah, he's the only one. All right. I'm excited. He's the exception to the rule. Somebody's got to be. Yeah. So we're very excited to have uh, Mr. Redhead. He'll be our second in-studio guest behind John Sulka. We haven't had any other ones. Is that right? Yeah, I don't think so. I think that is right. We should do that more often. I'm going yeah, to get Dr. Dankenstein in here. to. There you go. He'll be a fun. God, I'm going to get a contact high that day. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> All righty. Mr. Hughesong. Anything enlightening, heartening, anything positive you'd like to leave the folks with for before we come back and tear down their worlds next week. 
Touch grass. Touch grass is the right answer. Touch grass today. Yeah. That's it. Everything else. It's before is the secondary. snow comes. Yeah. Try. Try your hardest. And ultimately, just you know, be a good person. Take care of each other. And however skeptical you are about your government looking out for your best interest, it's not skeptical enough. Just put your faith that in is people. Especially correct. Not in government. Or the yeah. people in government. And uh, one more cheers to the death of Henry Kissinger. So <laughs> on, on that note, that's the best news that we could probably have. What? That's literally the best news. that He wasn't even doing anything anymore. That's not true. All right, fair enough. I mean, literally he was meeting with leaders on a daily basis. I'm sure of it. All right. The fact that he was well, allowed to die like peacefully at home is saddening. It's definitely not. He should have um, been strung up like Gaddafi. That was the only way to go for Kissinger. Gaddafi. Knife up the ass. <laughs> Whatever it was. Spear. <laughs> what was it, a spear? Did I, I get it wrong? Oh. You don't know? I don't remember. Oh. You conveniently forgot that tidbit? No, I mean, listen, I, when you said it, I remember something was shoved up his ass when he died. Yeah, they have it on video. I don't remember what. I had to turn it off. It was not a good video. It's a little over Anyway. The top. Next week, we'll have that video for you. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> no, we won't. Well, we're not on YouTube. We could play it. I'm good. Did, it, did I, I didn't mention the folks that we had a video removed. Dr. Andrew Doe's video was removed. Come on. Yeah. Like our episode, like 20. We're at like 147. They're going back 120 episodes to ban us on YouTube still. Fuck YouTube. Still feels like punching down. It is. Like, I mean, doing? we're other not in this universe. In the other universe, I Man, get it. I could get it. Yeah, in that other dimension where we're Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah I get it. All right. On that note, folks, <laughs> we thank you all for tuning in. We apologize for the uh, long delay in between episodes four and forty six and one forty seven here. They will yes. not be that long going forward here. So hopefully, you guys enjoyed the uh, the relaunch of the uh, the show here. We uh, expect to keep going here uh, weekly every Monday at twelve p.m. So on that note. For Mr. Hughesong, I am Sean Hannon. We will see you all again next Monday.